This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. So we have been working through and will continue to work through uh, parables on Sunday. And a parable is a very short story, and there are lots of them in the Bible. Jesus tells them over and over and over again as a way to um, show both what we should be doing and what we should not be doing. Um, and so I want to uh, review just real quickly. I know we've seen this already. But what is a parable? Because it's so specific, and because it does what it does so wonderfully, I just want to review this real quick. So it's a short story. It tells something about God. It tells something about humanity. It's set in the time and place of Jesus. It addresses real people. It takes on real issues, discipleship, money, grace, and responsibility. And most importantly, it dismays or surprises us. A lot of the time, we actually don't really want to know what it means because it's really depressing. Not really depressing, but it, it, it convicts us. We get pretty convicted reading these. And it is directed to life on this earth rather than some hope in the everlasting Right now, these parables, how we should be treating each other, how we should be conducting our lives right now. So, I'm going to tell our parable story again. What do you think, Jesus says? A man had two sons. Now he came first and said, son, go to work in the vineyard today. And the first son said, no, I don't want to. But later, he changed his mind, and he went. The father said the same thing to the other son, who replied, Yes, sir, but he didn't go at all. Which of these two did his father's will? Jesus asks. And the listeners said, The first son. And Jesus says to them, I assure you, that tax collectors and prostitutes are entering God's kingdom ahead of you. Maybe a little dismaying to hear that, I would think. So the time and place, let's figure out, what is this story even addressing? So Jesus here is talking to the temple priests and authorities, right? He is in the temple, it is Passover, and most importantly, guess what he and the disciples just did yesterday? They went into the temple and they overturned the tables of the money changers. People had come to bathe, to pay their money for a sacrifice, to give the sacrifice to a priest who would make the sacrifice on the holy table, thereby clearing them of wrongdoing for the rest of the year. Jesus had interrupted that process by him and his disciples going in, by some accounts, with a whip, tossing the tables, 
throwing money everywhere, shooing everybody out who was in the process of changing Roman coins for shekels and sending out all the animals, all the while yelling at the top of his lungs that what they were doing was exploiting the poor and it wasn't okay. What they were doing was reaffirming a power over system that wasn't working and wasn't godly, and they were doing it in God's house. Jesus, had he had no power or authority in the world at this point, would have been summarily grabbed and stoned to death. But by now, Jesus in his ministry was known as a holy man. He had power. People were thinking he might be the Messiah. The whispers of that were out everywhere. But if he was from God, if he was really a holy man, by the understanding of the day, he would be God's son, then he would act like a good son. He would do what a good son would do. Would a good son of God go into the temple and throw things everywhere and shove the animals out, all declaring that it was because God would be furious with the way the the temple was being treated, furious with the exploitation of the poor? Well, that's what this parable seeks to address. This is why Jesus asks, Who is the good son? So this parable also reveals a little bit more about human nature. That we love honor and self-puffery. We like to say we do things, but not actually do them. Jesus has just gone into the temple where people are not actually doing what it is they're supposed to be doing, and they're doing it all while saying, we're in the temple, we're the temple authorities, we're the temple priests, we're doing it the right way. We are God's children. How easy is it in our humanity to believe that we have it all right and that it's the other guy who doesn't really know, who isn't really following God, who doesn't really understand. Especially easy to say that of tax collectors and prostitutes. There are people easy to point fingers at, but rarely are we as good at pointing the finger at ourselves. So this story of these two sons, Jesus offers this story to try to get at what does a good son do? If I am or am not a good son of God, if you are or are not. And in the, in the commentaries that followed through the gospel times, so this got written down a, a hundred or so years later, and before that the story was told many times, the story changes. This particular parable has a few different forms because it's tough to figure out. It's confusing. What? What do you mean, wait, two sons first did this, and what kind of riddle is this? This is from the social science commentary. So this is from a man named Richard Rohrbach, who was one of my professors in seminary. And I 
was so impressed with him. He and his friends who worked in this particular type of scholarship actually spent a lot of time in Palestine trying to get at what are the rules here? Like we know what the rules are in uh, New York City. We know what the rules are in London when it comes to money, money changing, living, honor, all that stuff. But what are the rules if you live in Palestine? What are the rules? And so this is what the, he has to say. In the first century Mediterranean society, the lying son who says, I will go, sir, but does not go, is the son who makes his father feel good. He is behaving properly. He is a good son. Now think about it. Your dad is talking to the mayor, the mayor of whatever city you happen to live in. And he sees you, and he needs you to go get some work done. And so he says to you, Johnny, will you go take the garbage out, please? Maybe he didn't even say please. Johnny, go take out the garbage. If you say, yes, Father, I will, does that make him look good in front of the mayor? Does it matter if you take out the garbage? Right? It doesn't really matter. Because what your father really needs in that moment is to not look foolish and not to save face. Now let's say the mayor's saying there and you're there and your father says to, the, uh, to you, go take out the garbage. And you say, no. I'm not taking out the garbage. First of all, it's not my turn. You don't even have to argue. You can just be like, no, and walk away. How does that make your father look? Weak? Inept? He gets the bad father of the year t-shirt, right? Does it matter that you went and did the garbage later? Maybe a little bit. But what is he going to do? Call the mayor? Hey, guess what? My, my snotty little son, after he told me he wasn't going to do it, he totally went and took out the garbage. Does the mayor care? No. So this becomes a really confusing parable because the way things are done in human life isn't how things are done in godly life. So not only is this a very confusing parable, and it doesn't, not only does it change who the good son is in the different commentaries and the different translations you get, no, it's this son that did right. No, it's this son that get, did right. But Jesus follows at the bottom and says, even the prostitutes and tax collectors are going ahead of you because nobody can get the answer right. To first son, second son, second son, first son, first son, second son. You guys are all wrong, and the prostitutes are ahead of you. So it's very dismaying, right? Well, it's, uh, uh, which one, which one is the better son? And the bad surprise that the high priests are not first in line. So I'm going to read this again. What do you think? A man had two sons. Now he came to the first and said, son, go work in the vineyard today. No, I don't want to, he replied. But later he changed his mind and he went. The father said the same thing to the other son, who replied, yes, sir. But he didn't go. Which of these two did his father's will? So one of the ways this works is it's a false dichotomy. The rhetoric of the time. So at this time, it's oral culture. You spoke, people listened, 
And how well you spoke depended on, uh, determined how many people listened to you. You tried to persuade orally. There weren't any written texts. If there were written, they were designed to be read out loud. And in fact, a scribe wrote them while you spoke. And we know that people would dictate to scribes who would write rather than writing their own letters because we have an excerpt from Cicero that said, I would have written to you sooner, but I had a sore throat. So it's a different world, right? But here Jesus, whoops, Jesus sets up a false dichotomy. It's a binary, either or. Who is the good son? He takes advantage of this underlying problem in humanity that we set up contests between each other. Me versus them versus them versus them. And then we have contests about whose ideas are right and who will please the Father. The Pharisees are trying really hard to be right. The high priests, the Sadducees, they're trying really hard to be right. They want to be exactly what they say they are. They are willing to say, yeah, sure, Dad, I'll take out the trash. And then do they? that carefully cultivated image that they are the good sons because they say yes to God, is that really what is going on? Is that what was going on in the temple when Jesus and the disciples went in and overturned the tables? So Jesus creates a false contest. The Pharisees are the consummate rule makers and he calls them out on their own rules. They appear to be doing the will of the Father, but they are not. It is God's mercy that saves, not the Pharisees' righteousness. And what a horrible shock and so dismaying that the prostitutes and the greedy con men who are tax collectors will go in ahead of them. And you know why? Because are they, remember this is a false contest. Is it because the prostitutes and the tax collectors are better than the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Are we going to buy into that false dichotomy? Or is it because the the tax collectors and the prostitutes know the right answer? They already know, don't they, that the Pharisees say, yes, I will take out the trash, and then they don't do it. They know that because they suffer from the same things we suffer from, is that in public we say one thing and in a private we do something totally different. That we don't walk the talk. We know this from the Me Too movement, right, of today, where while an upright man will decry the behaviors of quote-unquote loose men and women, they themselves behind closed doors are engaging in behaviors that are even worse. We know that in the ancient times, the Sadducees didn't want to get their own hands dirty by collecting the taxes, so they would hire the tax collectors to go and beat on the doors and threaten the people unless you pay up, bad things are going to happen to you. The prostitutes and the tax collectors 
already knew whether or not the Sadducees and the Pharisees could answer that question and how they would. They also knew they were in the category, perhaps, if they were lucky, if they listened to John the Baptist, where they could say, no, I'm not going to do that, and then come to the realization that, you know what? I actually, I, I do want to go out into the vineyard. I do want to do that. That they relied on God's mercy in a way the Pharisees and the Sadducees would not. They themselves were upright. They determined what God liked. They determined who God's son was. So this false dichotomy, the true answer is neither son. It's not either or. And this is where the commentaries get locked up because they're trying to find an either or answer. This is where the uh, translations get confused because over the years, the copyists have copied it wrong because they're like, well, wait a second, that can't be what Jesus may hear. The answer is neither, neither son, neither son. The son who is doing the will of God is the son who says yes and then does it. Is the son who goes into the temple and turns over the money changers' tables, who releases the doves, who releases the bulls, who calls bull on the whole thing. That this is, in fact, not what God is asking us to do in the way that God is asking us to do it. That might have been at one time, but it's not enough just to say, yes, I'm going to take out the garbage and then not do it. Or then decide you know better how to do it all. So, we get this echoed in Ezekiel, right? Ezekiel says, and Ezekiel comes hundreds of years before Jesus, since these people turn toward me with their mouths and honor me with lip service while their heart is distant from me and their fear of me is just a human command that has been memorized. This is, this is deep talk from Ezekiel. How many of us can feel in our church life, in our faith life, that we're just kind of moving along based on human commands that have been memorized? Right? I mean, if, we really, if we're really going to be honest, what have we memorized is the right thing we better do, and then we're righteous, then we're, we're taking out the trash. How many of us don't even take out the trash eventually? We're just always saying, well, I don't think so. I don't do that. I'm better than that. I would never do that. (laughs) All the while, what are they up to? I am Oz, the great and powerful. Remember that movie? And Dorothy just like pulls that curtain open and you're like, oops, what's going on? Jesus is doing this here. And it's dismaying to know that the people who really know the truth about what's going on are the very people that the most righteous would declare as unrighteous. Imagine a world where instead of this contest between brothers, we in fact 
invite each other out into the world and into the Word of God. And I want to invite you just to think about it for a minute. Do we have a, do we have a handheld? Is, is there anybody that I want to invite you to share? This is a walk the talk thing, right? Like, has there been a time in your life where you felt like you didn't walk the talk? You said, no, I'm not taking out, I'm, gonna take the, I'm not going to take the garbage. And then you thought, you know, I really, I actually kind of have to. I actually need to do that. Or a time you were dismayed by seeing someone else go, well, I would never do that. I'm feeling like there was a moment there that we could have done better. Is there anybody who wants to share about an experience they've had, about the difference between what we say with our mouth and what we feel with our heart and what we do as a consequence? Is anybody brave enough today? You know, this isn't uh, actually a, an actual moment, but I think I personally do that every day. You have any specifics we could maybe absolve you of? Here, here's a pre-absolving. <laughs> well, I talk about, uh, you know, serving the poor, but do I do it? Um, make a donation to the church? Is that doing it? Or would it be better if I actually took a meal to someone who was homeless or who did not have any food? Wouldn't that be more like walking the walk? Thank you. Anybody else brave? Ooh. This is really little, but I remember we're all guilty of um, speaking about how we're all equal and valuing each other, and yet when someone tells a joke that um, casts aspersions or looks down on a specific group or people, we laugh or we repeat that joke without thinking about the damage that's done. That's really true. That talk about disconnect between mouth and heart, very, very much so. Anybody else want to share? Ah. I'm told to love my enemy and to pray for my leaders that they may be good, and I do need them. Have some of us struggled to pray for our leaders recently? Oh, sometimes I, I get so angry, right? This is me, too, right? And I think, I think mean things in my heart about people. But that's not what God, God asked me to do. Boundaries are good. Doing good things are good. But if I just flip it and become angry and mean myself, is, is that God's way? Returning to this idea of kindness. I, you can see there's not really answers. Um, but there are questions, I think, that being asked are powerful. Is there one more person who'd be willing to share this morning? Anyone else? A place where what you've seen with what you've heard or said or heard said is so different from where the heart could be. 
You want to stand up? I helped organize a homeless rally that just happened on Friday, and I was so tired and overbooked that I forgot to go. <sighs> okay, <clears throat> that's a whole different problem. There was, I got to uh, uh, go to um, United Methodist Women. I don't need this when I'm talking. I'm a dork. And uh, I'm there with all these very high-achieving women who care very much about their faith. And I'm thinking, boy, gosh, you know, we're not that similar, this group and I. I always try to do maybe a little too much. And I told this story. I brought a little block, and I said, um, imagine this block is you, and you're just one block of many. You don't have to do it all. Because angels no matter how good they are, they only get one pair of wings. You don't have to wear all the wings. Can you imagine how crazy that would be if we all did that? So, you, yes, yes. Bless you, though, for your work. So, so this is indeed a challenge. When Ezekiel says hundreds of years before Jesus, you're not walk in the talk. And when Jesus says, who is the good son? And we want to choose one of the ones who isn't walking the talk. And we discount each other. And we contest each other. And we blame our lack of heart on somebody else. Instead of saying, well, but in that moment... What did I do? So who is the good son? Neither son and both. Because it is God's mercy that reaches for us. This story isn't to reject the people he is talking to, but to shake them awake. Parables are a short, sharp shock intended to get you to pay attention to what you are doing that is destructive in order that you can change your heart and do it right. To reach across to your brother and then to another brother and to another and to another in the kindness, in the love of God. We are not in opposition. We are, in fact, Together. We are the sons and children of God. We are called awake, listen up, by these parables that we may align what we say and what we do for the good of all. Amen.